Going Linux, episode 377, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hello, Bill. Hey, Larry. How are you today? I am doing just fine. The weather's cooling off a little bit here in Southern California. So, well, for this week, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. Life is good. How about you? It is starting to cool off in New Mexico um, a little bit. Uh, it actually had to put a, a little uh, sweat jacket on when I take a bear out in the mornings. So, you know, it's like... I walk down. I'm like, it's cold out here, and then of course <laughs> it warm it, it warms up. So, but cold relative to what you know, what ninety hundred. So, yeah, yeah. So what seventy? <laughs> <laughs> it was fifty eight. Come on, nah, I'm not, okay, okay. So chilly, yeah, yeah. It was it. chilly. So, <laughs> all right. So Larry, well, yes. So I just want to point out that we're going to have our very first giveaway. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you may have remembered that Bill is planning on doing a review of Zorin OS, and our giveaway comes as a result of that, right? That is right. The um, uh, I started with just list, uh, using the core, and I used it for two weeks, and I sent a, uh, some questions to the developers, and they sent me a, a preview copy that I've been using ever since uh, of the ult, their ultimate, the one with all the, the different desktops and stuff. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll save a lot of that for the uh, review. But I liked it so much, I sent them back and said, you know, uh, just for transparency, I want to buy uh, a copy and give it to one of our listeners. And uh, they were very receptive. They sent it back and said, okay, well, we really appreciate you um, – uh, wanting to contribute and support our, our giveaway. So we're going to give you a 50% off coupon. So when you buy it to give to your listeners, it'll save you some money. And I, th- and I thanked them that, and that was, that wasn't asked for. I, you know, I didn't even ask for a review copy, but they were like, well, you know, we want you to see what we've done. So yeah. I, I've liked it so much so far. I wanted to support them. And so that's, uh, that's where we're going to get it. So I, Whoever wins will get a link from uh, the Zorn project, and you'll be able to download it directly. And so, Larry, how are we going to pick the winner? You know, that is a bit of a challenge. So there are two challenges here, one of which is already solved. So if this were to be a, um, a physical copy of something, we'd have to figure out how to mail it to somebody, because some of our listeners are 
halfway or all the way across the world. Uh, But since this is an electronic copy and we can send it by email, uh, that takes care of that problem. Uh, And the next challenge is actually selecting the winner in a way that is fair to everyone. And given that not everyone listens to every episode or listens to every episode at the same time, we wanted to make sure that there was some time between announcing it and selecting the winner to give people a chance. So I think what we're going to do is we'll announce it as we have right now that we're having a contest to give away this licensed copy of Zorin OS. So this is the full version. And the way we'll handle the entries is this. If you will send us an email, that way we have your email address so that you can receive the copy when you win it and include in the subject line one word and that's Zorin Z-O-R-I-N and for those of you not in America it's (laughs) Z-O-R-I-N then what we'll do is we'll collect all of those between now and our next episode which is probably about two weeks from the time that we release this episode because I think That's kind of our regular cadence. Uh, And don't hold me to exactly 14 days here because (laughs) we're not the precise (laughs) on our our, uh, uh, delivery of the episodes. But if you will just send us an email with the word Zorin in it, that will enter you into the contest. We will number the emails in the order we get them. We'll use a random number generator, which I know is not precisely random (laughs) but it's close enough for purposes of winning a prize on a uh, on a podcast um and with that in mind then we will just uh whatever number comes up that's the number of the email that we will select as the winner we'll announce it on the episode and send that out by email does that sound fair sounds fair but i had to add a few caveats okay one, Larry, you're not allowed to enter. Okay. All right. I, I can take that. <laughs> and to be fair, neither are you. <laughs> oh, You've yeah. Already totally, okay. Yeah, I already got yeah. a copy. But <laughs> oh, maybe I wanted another copy. No. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, and the other the uh, other thing is the, the email will contain the download link. So you'll be able to download it. So... It should be pretty seamless, uh, and um, like I said, if you're interested in it, please uh, send us the email, and uh, we encourage all uh, the the uh, minions who want to see what Zorn's about, um, please enter. And I wanted to also give a shout-out to the, the Zorn team for being so generous with uh, their project, and uh, let's see how it goes. That's great. Um, and thanks for doing that, Bill. Oh, and no thanks problem. Thanks to like, the Zorin yeah. team. Yeah, thanks. So, Larry, uh, now we've talked about the weather. We've talked about giving away free stuff. What do we talk about now? Um, let's talk about the emails that we've gotten from our listeners, our minions. Oh, good. Any any flames? Do I have to get my my asbestos overcoat are we good no i think we're good i think we're good we've got a couple that are kind of long which is okay yeah because they've got a lot of good stuff in them so here we go that's awesome uh 
Our first email is from James, who has some hidden gems to share. And this is one of those long emails because he's got a lot to share. He writes, Hello, Going Linux. This is James from Indiana again. Thanks for the quick response about Banshee and information about the bug that prevents import M3U playlist files. I hope this email can in some way repay the kindness and in time can enable me to join your ranks and be called Minion. Well, James, the fact that you have sent in an email automatically makes you a Minion, so you've already got that title. I shall call this email Hidden Gems to Share, so others may skip some headaches and go straight to enjoyment. For the record, I am enjoying DevOne 2.0, which is a variant of Debian 9 Stretch without Systemd with XFCE Desktop, so the hidden gems mostly would benefit Debian slash Ubuntu users. Apologies to the rest. All right, well, most of these I've looked through and they apply to any distribution. I think they apply across the board. Uh, he continues, about the G-Potter issue that uh, the other person has, the person may wish to consider Liferea, L-I-F-E-R-E-A. So I don't know whether that's Liferea or Liferea. Whatever it is, we'll have a link in the show notes. It's not a music player. Rather, it's a feed reader with podcast support. When you first install it, it will provide pre-subscribed feeds and podcasts. You can find the podcasts in their own folder in the left sidebar. To subscribe to a new one, just add the subscription as if it were a regular feed URL. Uh, James continued, he writes, Hidden Gen number one, media players. And he wrote uh, QM Play 2, that's QM uh, and then Play and then number two. And he says, Leaving Banshee, I tried Kodi, VLC, MPV, M Player, uh, UM Player, Zine UI, and SM Player as replacements. But surprised by the QM Play 2, and now I enjoy using that. Cody showed promise. Uh, it was able to import M3U and M3U and even browse YouTube and internet radio stations without leaving Cody. Downsides. Cody is complex, meaning a learning curve. Two, uh, large demand on CPU and RAM. Three, taking up several gigabytes of hard drive space after installing add-ons just to be workable in my opinion. And he said VLC can import M3U playlists and has less demand on CPU and RAM as well as less hard drive space than Kodi. Uh, VLC can also run browse internet radio stations without leaving VLC. The downsides, one, even greater learning curve than Kodi when it comes to configuration settings. Uh, two, VLC cannot browse YouTube without leaving VLC to go to the browser. And three, he said, most of the add-ons found on the VLC website are not supported by uh, newer versions of VLC. Okay, and then James continues, MPV and MPlayer, both useless for my needs without a front-end GUI to assist with things like importing M3U players or streaming music and or videos. UM Player shows promise as a front-end GUI for MPlayer, browse internet radio stations like VLC, as well as import M3U playlists. 
less demand on CPU, RAM, and hard drive than Kodi. It appears that you can even browse YouTube without leaving the application. Almost zero learning curve. Downsides, one application is is longer supported. I think he means no longer longer supported. Yeah. Yeah. Two, YouTube feature is broken and just gives error message. Uh, If anyone does fix the YouTube issue, I would go back to UM Player in a heartbeat. Three, no documentation. Hmm. Okay, that one doesn't sound all that promising. (laughs) SM Player, uh, a front end for MPV and M Player. Ability to import playlists and a plus, an add-on called SM Tube that enables browsing and watching YouTube without going to a browser. Something that VLC cannot. SM Player and SM Tube also are easy on CPU and RAM. Downsides, one, neither SM Player nor SM Tube browse internet radio stations. Two, having installed MPV and M Player plus SM Player and SM Tube means having far more dependencies than VLC and Kodi. Uh, he continues, Zyn, a front-end GUI for M Player, appears easy on CPU, RAM, and hard drive, but unable to browse internet radio stations from within the application and unable to browse YouTube from within the application. Also, I am unable to find a single window mode for Zine. QM Play 2. I'm amazed. I can import M3U playlists. Less demand on CPU, RAM, and hard drive space than Kodi. Can browse internet radio stations, plus even browse and watch YouTube without any external applications such as SMTube or the browser. Downsides. 1. No documentation, but there is almost no learning curve. 2. More dependencies than Kodi and VLC. Three, unable to preset folders for music and video. Okay, and then James continues with more hidden gems, and this one's about genealogy. He said, for genealogy, there is Gramps, and that's G-R-A-M-P-S. Gramps, he says, is a free software project and community that strive to produce a genealogy program that is both intuitive for hobbyists and feature complete for professional genealogists. It is a community project created, developed, and governed by genealogists. However, uh, instead of installing the full-fledged application, Gramps, onto your system, consider first trying the template called Family Tree that is used by LibreOffice and OpenOffice and he lists the, uh, the link to the extensions. As are most Linux users, he writes, also have LibreOffice or OpenOffice installed, and the addition of the template takes only a few moments. If your needs are greater than what the template can do, then install the, the big guns, Gramps. I, for one, am not another Alex Haley redoing roots, and he writes, grin. Another hidden gem uh, he uh, mentioned was project management, LibreOffice and OpenOffice template project management database 1.1, and they they link it to the extensions in the show notes. He says, for project management, instead of installing additional software such as Planner or OpenProject or LibrePlan, consider first trying the LibreOffice and OpenOffice template called project management database 
before installing any full-fledged application to see if that it first fills your needs. As I mentioned earlier, most Linux users already have the Libre or OpenOffice on their computer. I shall end this email, he writes, for now, uh, but hope to return in the future with more hidden gems. Hopefully future minion James. Well, James, you're officially a minion. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> we, will, we will put you onto the roster and send you your massive paycheck every month. Wait a minute. Never, no, no, we won't. But we're, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome to the minion family. <laughs> you bet. And uh, I have to say, I'm not exactly sure whether James' email is the longest we've received yet, but it's certainly in contention if, not, if it's not the longest. Well, well I, have, I have to say, uh, uh, the one who likes to write the small box admin, mm-hmm. he's, he's, got some, he's got some tomes. They're good. Yeah. But yeah, I, oh, I think yeah. uh, him, James might be giving him a run for his money. You bet. And uh, James, uh, thanks for all those links. We'll have them in the show notes. Thanks for all those suggestions for things for people to yep. try. There's certainly some options there. Uh, yeah, and George also wrote about Banshee. As you inferred, Banshee is abandonware. It was the standard music player in Mint until 18.1. And he provides a link about that. None of the alternatives I have tried are as pleasant. Banshee was the best UI with the superb album art presentation. Banshee deserves to be revived, but with even more streaming instead of local music. There's surely less interest in donating time to an application like Banshee. It wasn't until I read the article linked above that I knew Banshee depended on mono. That may be another reason for its fate, as I believe Mono was at least controversial and considered a security weakness. You and Bill are great. Well, thanks, George, and thanks for the information about Banshee and about its dependence on Mono. Surely something controversial in open source? Say it's not so, Larry. So our next email comes from David, and he said he tried FreeOffice. David says, I tried the recommendation of FreeOffice, and it's not for me. No spreadsheet program and doesn't embed itself correctly in menu structure of Windows 10. I find the best substitute to the evil empire to be LibreOffice. LibreOffice is tough to beat, and it's full-featured program. Best regards, David. And so you wrote, hi, David, I see what you mean about the Windows 10 menu issues with free office. It does show up if you touch the Windows key and start typing the name of the program. And since this is how I find applications on both Windows and Linux, I've never noticed the issue before. By the way, the spreadsheet program is inexplicably called Plan Maker, so it's easy to miss. It's possible, of course, that the installer had a problem and omitted installing PlanMaker with the rest of the suite. Certainly, my main use of FreeOffice is on Linux, so I don't notice some cross-platform issues. So thanks for letting uh, us know, Larry. Uh, Larry, mm-hmm. why do they call it PlanMaker? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's inexplicable. I have no idea. <laughs> it's and, a spreadsheet. And, and then the other thing is, 
uh, whose Windows 10 machine did you test this out on? Because I know you don't have a Windows 10, do you? Oh, I have a machine running Windows 10. I don't access it very often, and I remote into it just to test out things like this on Windows. And uh, yeah, so I don't use it for much, but I do. Did use you it wash for your that. hands afterwards? I did. I felt all okay. sweaty and grimy and dirty, and yeah, it was awful. <laughs> all kidding aside, um, yeah. So I noticed that the free office didn't put an entry into the menu system. You know, you hmm. normally click on the start button, you know, whatever it's called these days, yeah. uh, the, the menu button, and you can normally scroll through the menus and find it. Very inefficient way to find applications, no matter what your operating system is. Uh, but in the case of free office, I couldn't find them. It put icons on the windows desktop, but huh. that was the only place I could find the icons and yet, if you just tap the Windows button and start typing, it finds it. So it must be in the menu somewhere, but I couldn't find it. It's really so that's weird. weird. Uh, now, is uh, just so a little clarification: is FreeOffice mainly aimed at Windows users that don't want to spend or have a subscription to the Office 365, or is it mainly aimed at uh, Linux uh, users? Because I believe this was your suggestion back in the other show yeah exactly and i don't know whether they're specifically targeting windows but they okay. seem to provide equal support to windows mac and linux versions of their office suite so i don't think you know they're preferring one over the other or supporting okay. one more than the other i think this just may be a an omission on their part or maybe they intended for it to show up in the menus and something has gone wrong with the installation uh, and it just didn't show up. So I haven't tried reinstalling it or anything like that Oh, okay. Uh, to, to see if it fixes it. But um, so far, uh, hey, it's uh, you've got a data, two data points that say it's not in the menus. So I'm suspecting okay. that it's not in the menus for anybody. Okay. There you go. All right, uh, continuing on, George commented on the 25,000 points from episode 375. Uh, he writes, found the article on 25,000 data points. That's Microsoft Office, not Windows itself. Microsoft seems to be collecting subject lines from emails and full sentences that are run through a spelling and grammar checker or the translation tool. In fact, in total, 25,000, quote, events are recorded, and the data can be seen by up to 30 teams of engineers. He provides a link to his reference of an article from the Enquirer.net. He continues, Windows, the OS, seems to be only collecting 1,200. Compare this with Windows 10, which collects 1,200 event types shared with 10 engineers. The link included in the second quote goes to a story about Windows telemetry, but I didn't find the 1200 number in the linked story. Sorry about that. Glad you were dubious, Larry. I really did try to find the story again before sending the email. Well, thanks, George. Uh, you went to a lot of effort to <laughs> make sure that yeah. things were correct. Uh, I think we would have been okay just leaving my dubious comment, but now that you've done the research, we really appreciate it. Yeah, just a clarification. 
Is it uh, the, when he compares the Windows 10, which collects to 1,200 event types shared, it's with 10 engineering teams, not just 10 engineers, right? That's what he said. Did I say engineers? Yeah, it's 10 yeah, engineering teams. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to be funny there. Okay. So, because yeah, you'll get, you, you get flamed for that. Yes, <laughs> I know. Yes, I get, I get it. I know. <laughs> so, Michael is moving back to Ubuntu Mate. And he writes, Hi, Michael from Meltham, West Yorkshire, UK. I have gone back to using Ubuntu Mate, the latest version. Although Slint contained screen readers for the text console, the downside was that I couldn't find all the software I was comfortable using. Although I did get used to using GR Sync, I don't know if this was a programming error in other Linux distros which have the Mate desktop or some uh, programmers believe that Orca is not needed when running Linux uh, live CDs, but there is some issue which makes choosing a distro more difficult. But some distros I have tried, Orca's was disabled on the live CD, or it only works briefly, which happens with Linux Mint Mate when you have to run Orca with Alt F2 and type Orca where it says speech on followed by speech off about a second later and then there seems to be some problem when navigating the desktop in uh, Solace Mate and it seems like the installer of Solace doesn't speak and will only say something like install Solace <laughs> okay when you alt tab between apps for some reason Linux Mint does uh, allow Orca to continue to run once it is installed. The reason for me going back to Ubuntu Mate was that I tried to update Linux Mint and there was a problem downloading two updates which I was notified of and I wasn't sure if TimeShift had done an exact snapshot of my system before I tried to do the up update which I tried to do from the command line in the terminal. All the best with the podcast, Michael from West Yorkshire. Wow. So, yeah. again, more accessibility issues. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I, if there is an application that Slint was using to enable screen readers in a terminal, maybe we can find out what that is and you can install it on Ubuntu Mate since... I think Ubuntu Mate seems to work the best for screen readers in yep. your experience. And if that's the only thing missing, maybe we can find out what that other application is. And as far as GR Sync is concerned, you mentioned that you got used to using it. It is available in the Ubuntu Mate repositories or in the Ubuntu repositories rather. So you should be able to install that for Ubuntu Mate without any trouble at all and continue to use that for your backups. And uh, just another uh, suggestion, Michael, if you are having, uh, you know, some issues or there's not a program that you, that you uh, were using on uh, uh, the uh, last distro, what was it? Sl Slint. Then, mm -hmm. uh, and if it's not available in the repos, um, maybe reach out to the community and ask, them if maybe uh, it could be put into a snap or flat pack 
Um, mm-hmm. So you could install it on the Ubuntu Mate. Uh, I'm sure um, they would be more than happy to help out because some of those guys just are, they just love just snapping stuff up. And that's one of the great things about the snaps and the flat packs. And since you're running a authorized or official version of um, Ubuntu, you know, snapping that up shouldn't be a, a much of an issue. And then we could, you know, get you running the stuff that you're used to. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Snaps, they're, okay. they're the future, dude. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Okay, we have our final email from Greg, who responded to Highlander from episode 375. Dear Larry and Bill, in episode 375, Highlander told us of his problems with the computer clock. I wanted to provide additional information on the computer, quote, clock. There's a lot of detail, but I would suggest reading the man page for the HWC lock command. From a command line type, man space H-W-C-L-O-C-K. Scroll down to the heading notes. There we learn about the hardware clock, which is notoriously inaccurate, the system clock, and how adjustments can be made. A basic default readout of the hardware clock time can be seen as a user by typing sudo H-W-C-L-O-C-K and entering your password. Uh, and he provides us some terminal output that shows what he gets. So when he types sudo hw clock, it shows the time, the date, and it's in kind of a universal format. It starts with uh, the date in an international format and then the time out to fractions of seconds. Uh, another useful command is the utility time date CTL. Again, referenced from a command line type man space T-I-M-E-D-A-T-E-C-T-L for all the information on how to use this versatile utility. Typing time date CTL is the same as typing time date CTL space status and gives a result like this. And what he gets when he types it out is... Uh, readout of the local time, including the time zone, universal time, including the uh, suffix of UTC, RTC time, the time zone in words, and the system clock uh, status indicating whether it's synchronized or not, and a few other outputs. Um, you can take a look at that for yourself. He continues, systems that use system D can be checked to see if the time sync D service status by typing at the command line service space system D, S-Y-S-T-E-M-D, dash time sync D, T-I-M-E-S-Y-N-C-D, space status with the following sample result. And the result he got is... Um, network time synchronization as the header. It shows a bunch of stuff being loaded, a bunch of stuff being active. Uh, documentation link um, shows the status, including the time server that it's using to synchronize, a couple of tasks running, and several other bits of output, including the fact that it started the time synchronization and 
the status of the synchronization to the server. So a bunch of information there. You'll note that the system clock is already synchronized with the time server at ntp.ubuntu.com. I read somewhere that time sync occurs every 11 minutes. An interesting web page that discusses using NTP, Network Time Protocol, to set the system clock for systems not using System D, and that link it can be found in our show notes. In regards, Greg, W8FJK. So thanks, Greg. That was very helpful. Yeah, thanks. And that wraps it up for our listener feedback for this time. Our next uh, episode will be the Zorin Review. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.